welcome in episode six of the Sweat Today podcast. What a run of guests we've had, Danny, Charlotte, Russ. We have some more guests scheduled on our on our calendar, but I'm loving the insight. I'm loving the expertise on this pod. No, man. I mean, we when we brought this podcast to light, that was one of our main focuses, right? Like we wanted to bring quality guests, experts in their field, people with experience, wisdom, a lot to share with us, with our listeners, with anybody who really takes the time to uh, to shed an ear to our show. I mean, I want to bring value to people at the end of the day. That's what we said. Episode zero, right? Remember, this is episode six, which is really episode seven. I know it's kind of like multiverse style stuff, but we said on episode zero, we want to bring value. That's what we want. And we've been doing that the last few episodes. And I think we're only scratching the surface with our own stories, with episodes, and especially with guests. So like you said, excited to see who's next yeah we've had a lot of fun um and then the ones that we've done just me and you together like you touched on we kind of did the intro episode zero we did a mailbag we did cardio base we did core motivations we had some guests and after that it kind of had me thinking you know what can we do next what can we do that would be something you know good to listen to but not just your average run-of-the-mill positive hey everyone can do it that sort of thing and that's kind of where this episode's idea came to mind for me this episode is titled vulnerabilities and we're two people that i know obviously from us being friends and from us interacting the last however many years we've known each other being vulnerable is really important and you know i think we're also two very big advocates on males being vulnerable i know that in the past it's kind of been like this macho energy of, oh, guys can't cry. And if you cry, you're a wuss. Or if you show emotion and you're soft. But there's a very fine line between showing emotion and, and truly being like, you know, maybe a, a baby or someone that isn't really, you know, mentally hardened. But um, when you think of the word vulnerability, uh, what does that mean to you? And, and how has that been reflected in your life in a way that we can give our listeners a little bit of uh, uh, some story right now? Yeah, I mean, for me, vulnerability has been something I've grown up being told that I struggled with. Um, oh, you don't show your emotion or you don't show the love that, you know, is in your heart that we get in the house. You know, you kind of harden up when you go out into public. And I always thought that like being vulnerable, like you just said, had a, you know, it was a cinnamon synonym, geez, synonym, synonym of being weak. Right. A lot of people tell you if you're vulnerable, you know, you want to be strong to people. They'll take advantage of you. They'll take you for granted if you show your weakness. Right. That's what I kept hearing. Weakness, weakness. And I was always a sensitive kid. I mean, I was homeschooled for every year, but one until I graduated high school. I didn't have to worry about my ego um, being damaged in a public school or private school uh, way. Um, my reputation, I didn't have to worry about that, right? Like I was around my mom and my sister doing school today, you know, doing school every day and then going to play sports and practicing with other kids who were in school who didn't really care about my home life. So I had that freedom to kind of be whoever I was. And I didn't realize until later on what vulnerability really meant to me. And what it's meant now in my adult years is allowing myself to be myself no matter what that means, right? If I'm uh, my confident self, I'm going to be that. If I'm sad on that day, if I'm anxious, if I feel a little bit down, if I don't feel motivated, if I don't feel like I want to handle my responsibilities, 
I'm okay with that. I access that emotion and I let it out. I let it out to the people around me. That for me is what vulnerability means to me. It's allowing myself to be myself no matter what, right? Everybody says, I'll put your best foot forward. That's like one of the most common phrases you hear. Why not put your worst foot forward? Why not express to people, hey, Donnie, man, I'm really struggling right now. Grades are down. I'm not playing my best tennis. I don't feel like I'm doing well socially. Like I'm down, man. Like, can you help me? Allowing people in is being vulnerable. Allowing, giving people the authority to be able to hurt you, but trusting that they're going to uplift you. They're going to protect you. They're going to care for you. That for me is what vulnerability means. And I'm really glad that we're getting into this episode. I'm glad that you had this thought, this suggestion to be able to share this, because as we mentioned in our last episode, being vulnerable is something that everybody struggles with. It's a day by day journey. Um, And I think hearing us express our vulnerabilities and how we've gotten through them in the past, how we deal with them in the present is going to be hugely relatable to a lot of our listeners. So I'm very excited to dig into this, but yeah, that is a, that's what vulnerability means to me right now in the present. Vulnerability is crazy because, you know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, you don't want to confuse it with not being strong in a way it shows just how strong you can be. If you're able to let yourself down or let your you know guard down and say to people, Hey, like I'm not, I'm not doing my best today. You know, and I can speak on the last few weeks and and even just the last few years, you know, there have been a lot of positive things in my life. You know, I, I feel like I turned around a lot of my lifestyle. Um, I turned around kind of how I looked at each day and in terms of what I can, you know, make of myself. And, and even lately, even just an hour ago, I'm, you know, still reading Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins and, you know, truthfully not the same level of, of craziness of course as he is but not a lot of us are and him talking again about that 40 percent rule and saying that you know most of us feel like once we've given that 40 percent, that's it and you know there's 60 percent left that you haven't been able to give and i'm vulnerable in saying that i feel that way more often than not where i'm maybe going for a run and i run two miles and i say all right i'm good i'm good but then there's this small part of me that always sits back and says, I bet you, you could do another one. I bet you, you could do at least another half, like don't give up. And, and I'm, I'm very vulnerable in saying that I, I always push to that. And it's kind of what he was mentioning, even in his book earlier about the governor and kind of, you know, that that's your mental saying to you, you know what, you're right. You know, massages your ego. It says to you, Hey, you gave all that you could, you're good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Kind of just pushing it away. But you almost want to pull back that curtain and say, but no, I can go to that next level. You know what I mean? And, and that's where I want to get into now. You know, if we could both, you know, kind of go back and forth and trade some of the times where we felt most vulnerable in this case, of course, with fitness and, you know, fitness is a huge umbrella, you know, body image, diet, things like that. So if you want to give your first one and we'll kind of go back and forth and, and that's kind of how we can let this episode ride, if that works with you. Yeah, man, that's perfect. Well, uh, for me, one of my first real mm, experiences of feeling vulnerable when it came to my body, my strength, my look, all of that, so to speak, like you said, it all kind of encompasses wellness in general was my first year at school. Like I said, I was homeschooled basically from the start until sixth grade. And in sixth grade, I decided I wanted to go to real school, I called it. You know, And a lot of my baseball buddies they all were pushing me. Hey, man, you're going to love it. Why don't you come to school with us? At least you'll have built in friends. That's what a lot of people struggle with. You know, you go to a new school, you have to completely build a friend base. And I kind of walked in with that cheat code of having 10 or 20 friends who all went to the same school. So 
I decided to go to Charlotte Christian School. And those who are from around here know pretty well-known private school. There's four big private schools in Charlotte. That that would be one of them that kind of involved in that rivalry and has a big history in athletics. So I thought, you know, if I start there and I like it, it'll be a great way to get to college sports because they have a really well-known uh, sports program. So I went there and pretty quickly realized that I, in my sports journey, was not doing everything I could do when it came to strength and conditioning. I mean, we're talking about 11 and 12 year olds in my grade that were already signing up for strength class and doing conditioning during recess time, you know, PE time, they're going to work with their coach and do all these things. I realized, man, I'm not doing everything that I could do in my sports. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what that was. And these guys were so strong. They're so fast. And I was like, wow, I'm so at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to athletes. I thought I was so high, but it turns out I'm not. Pair that with the fact that I thought in sixth grade, so I was about 10 or 11, so we're talking 2007, that knee-length jean shorts were like the coolest thing in the world. Like I thought that was the most fashionable thing in the world. So pair that with obviously the the hell that I went through when kids saw me wearing my knee-length jean shorts with my black or blue tucked collared shirt in with my you know backpack that was super big and bulky and heavy and I was tiny. So all that combined, I really understood, man, like when people talk about in school, dealing with that self-consciousness, dealing with that insecurity, I I knew I had to ask people for help. I had to let my guard down, like you mentioned, to say, hey guys, how can I get better? Listen to the fashion tips, listen to the strength and conditioning tips. That was for me, my first, you know, association with, oh, vulnerability leads to development. It leads to growth. It doesn't lead to getting bullied more. It, in fact, leads to people helping me. If you let your guard down and you're honest with your emotions, people will come and they'll help you. So that, for me, was my first experience, really, with being vulnerable through necessity, right? Not out of a proactive place, but out of a reactive place. Man, I just don't want to get bullied anymore. So how can I get there? For right or for wrong, realize, man, let me just try. Let me just try and help see if people help me. And that was for me when I realized, oh, vulnerability is a positive. It's not a negative thing. The jean shorts must have been tough, though. Tough. I, I will say. Yeah. You know what? But it, it made me feel better than, right, however many years later, we're at Wingate. And what is the, like, most commonly worn thing by Wingate lacrosse, who was pretty darn successful on a Saturday night? Every one of those dudes pulled out some extra Crop tight top. jean shorts. So I was like, yeah, jean shorts. I, 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 it all came back around. And when I saw, you know, Joe Cooper, uh, you know, or Hefe wearing like the tightest resormant yeah. wearing the thigh length, you know, above the knee. I mean, they were yeah. going above the knee. I thought it was better to go below the knee. I was almost, you know, Gene Capri's. <laughs> and now here we are, man. It all came back around. But yeah, tough when you're 10 years old and every kid's wearing like the Abercrombie, you know, Look, cut khaki shorts. And I was rocking the jorts, hard jorts, cargo hard jorts. jorts. I actually a quick side note. This is funny. Um when I was, I think, in first grade and I lived in Georgia, uh, the summer of God, 06, 07. I know we have obviously got the age gap, so a little bit different in terms of times of our lives. But my mom signed me up for a golf camp and my parents don't golf. My mom probably didn't. Yeah, I mean, her brother's golfed, so I figured she would give me something to you know go to golf camp in that was appropriate. What did she send me in, Danny? freaking jorts and i was six years old and the next day she picked me up and the the club pro was like you gotta send him in like something other than jean shorts this is a country club 
he's not allowed here <laughs> with jean shorts like so i get it i get it i mean that's that'll make any kid at any age insecure that is true it's I mean, so interesting how jean shorts have found their way into like women's fashion so much more prominently than men i mean i still look at a short pair of jean shorts i'm like man i might get a little funky go to a bar wearing some jean shorts and see what happens there <laughs> i think but, you yeah, could like pull it like, off country club life man the jorts it's are not uh, the same a, are a miss country club life in middle school jean yeah. shorts are a no-go yeah I, I i i can agree you know when you mention your first your first moment of almost feeling you know insecure and you you know you you felt vulnerable you felt like you could almost be in a way attacked at any moment you know by words or by actions i mean especially at that age words really freaking hurt and um you know it's tough because it's not like it's a you know some when you're 10 years old you've got really just what's in front of you i mean you don't really want a a 10 year old to be worrying about his or her figure or uh you know mental strength or how hard they can be like that's not really, you know, shouldn't be on their mind, but you know, stuff plays into it. When I was in fourth grade, I, this one kid called me double chin and it worked its way around the school. And I'm like, come on, man. Now looking back on it, I'm like, man, I guess I was an easy target. You know what I mean? Like just small stuff like that though, to where, okay, I was called double chin. Like I had to wear like Husky pants. Like I was a big kid. And then in middle school and high school, you know, the, the whole, mo like you mentioned was kids saying you know oh i gotta you know put weight on i gotta get jacked and i would sit there like with my you know belly and i'm like i don't want to put weight on like how do i lose weight but i didn't have a path so i didn't know and then that carried into high school it carried into college and you knew when you when you met me in in 2019 i was probably pushing 225 230 i mean i was a big guy but again i as soon as i left high school it's funny. I'll always remember this. When I was at the gym freshman year at Wingate, someone came up to me and we were talking and I said, yeah, I ran enough. I did enough sprints and suicides in, in basketball. I'm never running again if I don't have to. And look at me four years later, like small stuff like that, where I, that's how my mind was, was calloused. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm only doing this because I have to. But when you step beyond that because I have to and then just doing it because you know it's going to make you better – that's really huge. And that's kind of what changed me. And that's kind of what made me feel vulnerable. I'm like, I don't like the way I look and I would never do anything about it. And that really, really screwed with me. And once COVID hit, you know, we were really, we talked probably every other day during that. And it was like, all right, I got nothing else to do. I'm going to do this now. And there were some pretty tough days where I would run down the block and I would be gassed and I didn't really want to keep doing it. I was embarrassed, but I would even wait till it was dark out. I would because I was scared to take off my shirt because I was like, I'm too big right now. I want to wait until I drop some more weight, but like stuff like that, where people don't talk about it enough. Like, you know, the vulnerability aspect of working out. If you show up to the gym, the whole phrase, keep showing up, you're winning. Like that's not talked about enough. I don't care how much you could deadlift. I don't care how much you could bench. If you show up, you're winning because no matter what you do, you are literally lapping thousands of people just by getting up and doing it. And for me, weight was my biggest vulnerability. And like, I don't like the way I look. I, I grew up thinking that, okay, it is what it is. I'm just a big kid, but I was able to change that. And then now, you know, God willing, I'm able to put on some more muscle. It kind of changes some things, you know, it's, it's bigger in a different way. No, it's funny. You say that, right. When you talk about all the kids talking about putting weight on, because that was me. I mean, you know, one, another time I felt serious vulnerability was my first, semester at Presbyterian. I say my first was my first and only 
that I went as a still a senior in high school. I went a semester early. Man, when I went there, I had never, and I'm telling you never, I was 17, never taken strength and conditioning serious. Like I thought, oh, I play tennis three days a week. Isn't that enough to stay fit? Oh, I play football with my buddies every now and again. Isn't that enough to stay fit? And then my first week at Presbyterian, it was four days a week in the gym in the mornings, conditioning after damn near every single practice. And I was getting my butt kicked, man. I was six one six two like 150 pounds like i was very 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 thin very bony no muscle and i have a photo that i still try and look at a fair fairly often of a picture i took in the bathroom after one lift i had like the first week at presbyterian and if you had seen me man every bone in my upper body was showing and i thought man i gotta get my act together like this isn't gonna survive college athletics and believe me, my teammates let me hear about it, right? Like, oh, I can only lift so much. I can only do so many pull-ups. And I think as you are not quite mature yet, as you haven't quite had experience with people of all sides of the spectrum when it comes to strength, conditioning, height, weight, everything, right? When you just realize people are people and we have our strengths and our weaknesses and we all struggle in different areas, like people really can hurt you, right? Like people can really get you thinking that there's something wrong with you. And I think that is like the number one thing, in my opinion, relating to vulnerability. That is, if you can absolutely and unequivocally embrace who you are in that moment today, you can get over any hurdle. Because like what you said is so true. You're like, if you keep showing up, that's a win. And you showing up, it's different than somebody else is showing up that day. And you know this because you go to a gym where you regularly see the same people and you might have a kick-ass workout. Man, I killed it. This was incredible. I hit another PR. I'm looking good. I'm in the, you know, the locker room after. I'm starting to see muscles that I hadn't seen before. And somebody else is over struggling to get through the warm-up, struggling to get through to the end. Two days later, that might be reversed. They might be killing it. You might be struggling to get through. Everybody show up is different. And one thing in regards, and then I'll let you get back to it because I know I can go on about it all day. One thing that I think about all the time and that got me to where I think I ended up in terms of any sort of achievements or accomplishments at Wingate. And obviously that was my main goal. I wanted to leave an impact on the program. And I realized very quickly when I got there, it was, man, I got to do all the extra work. I got to do everything hundred percent. And then I got to do extra on top of that because I need to. Because I have to, I have to do this. This is what I need to do or else enter whatever, you know, immature, insecure thought there. And I realized, man, that's just desperation. That's just being desperate, right? And then I started thinking, no, no, no. I'm going to do all this stuff because I want to. Not, you know, I embrace that. I want to do the extra conditioning, right? You, you rewire your brain, man. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to be more social. You know, everybody knows I'm a bit of an introvert deep down. The people who really know me, the people who know me on the surface would probably laugh, but the people who really know me know I'm an introvert, right? I'm a, I'm a homebody. I want to push myself. I want to, right? And then I realized, well, that's just relying on motivation, right? Like I'm just waiting to be motivated to do stuff. That's now what I've rewired. Then I moved past that to what I feel everybody needs to get to at some point. And that is the feeling of I am doing this because I know it's the right thing to do because I have the opportunity to do it. And I, and not that I have to, but I know it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, whether I want to, or I don't. And that I realized is what discipline is. 
if you do it, whether you want to or not, whether you have to or not, but because it's the right thing to do and you have the opportunity to do it. And that for me is the real separating factor in mindset when it comes to fitness and all of this coming back around to the topic of today's podcast, vulnerability. A lot of people feel like I, I'm going to be vulnerable because I have to. Something bad happened. I have to get it out or I'm going to go crazy. Or I want to do it because you know my girlfriend or my boyfriend says I'm not emotional enough. And so I, I want to be vulnerable for them. And then you realize, man, if I'm doing all of this because I just want to be the best version of myself, because I have the opportunity to do it, that discipline to do it, to be vulnerable, creates a level of mental health, stability, and, and accountability for yourself and the people around you that I think can really separate you from anybody else in any aspect of life. I want to touch on something you said earlier about how when you when you did your first lift with PC and you looked in the mirror and you said, this isn't going to last college athletics. For a, a good portion, for about a month in the beginning of COVID, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, you know, you mentioned athletics. This isn't going to be good for life, much less anything else. You know, and I think that kind of goes into some of my notes about having no motivation and, of course, image, uh, but being vulnerable. And I think in, until you if you don't recognize it on your own, like it's one thing for one person to come up to you and say, hey, like, you know, you should maybe work out a little bit or you should maybe lose some weight. All right. You know, screw you, you know, go on with your life. But until you look at yourself in the mirror and until you, Danny or you, Donnie, is vulnerable with yourself and you look at yourself and you hold yourself accountable and you say, look, you know, wake the hell up. Nothing's going to change. And I think that's kind of where vulnerability lies in for me is I'm able to admit that I'm able to admit that even on normal days, like I'm, I'm ramping up to run a 10 K here in about a month. And I was running two miles the other day just to try and ramp back up. And about mile, maybe like 1.2, 1.3. I'm like, I want to stop. I don't really care for this right now, but there, there are waves. Like, I think that's kind of where, how I can describe it. Like, you know, you look on like a, like an EKG or like a, like a, a graph in school, like the constant trends of up and down, like a roller coaster, it's legit. And that's where those low points I feel are my most vulnerable and even high I'm vulnerable. I'm like, you know what? It took a lot to get here. Uh, you know, it's good to have that celebration, but when you remember those lower points, and points where you were called fat, you were called double chin, you thought that you could see every bone in your body. That's kind of where it sinks in. And you're like, all right, now I can focus on the present and the future. And I don't need to dwell on the past as much because I've already gotten here, you know? No, for sure. And, and tell me if you agree with this, as you get older and you start to find the different quote unquote motivations or reasons why you do things, reasons why you want to focus on your fitness, which is, I know something we're going to get into on this podcast, but I have felt like this and please correct me if I'm wrong for your journey. As I look back when you're young and everything is about image, it's about reputation. It's about wanting to be liked, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be wanted, right? Like you want people to want your attention. You want girls to want your attention or boys, right? You want that attention from people. And it's typically a negative thing. Like I realized with myself, it was, I want to prove people wrong about me. I want the people who badmouth me. I want to prove them wrong or the people who laughed at me. I want to make sure that, you know, when the next time you see me, you, you want me right. And, and X, Y, Z, it was always this negative connotation. And as I've gotten older, I realized that was all because all of my motivation came from external. It was all wanting the external to see a change. 
now as you get older and you get more present, it becomes more of a internal thing. Hey, I want to do this for me, for the people close to me, for the people who love me and care about me. That's who I'm doing this for. Do you feel as though that was kind of like, it's funny, I'm turning into the interviewer now. I apologize. <laughs> do you feel as though that was like a part of your journey as well? Look, you were, as you were speaking, I thought of the perfect way to answer it. So I'm glad you brought it up. The answer is yes. And I think that the reason why I never saw any results when it was strictly external is because it goes back to what everybody always says. You are number one. You are most important. Don't let anybody else influence how you feel. And for me, that external motivation was never enough. It was never enough. When I was a senior in high school and I was getting ready for my last season of basketball, um, one of the one of our assistant coaches saw me and and was like, Donnie, we got to get you, you know, got to get you back, you know, going. I get to that little belly of yours. And I'm I'm 18, 17, 18 years old, and I'm like, all right, this guy, you know, he thinks he thinks he's funny. And I made it a point in those moments to finish first in every single run we did, whether it was a, a down and back, whether it was a suicide, whether it was a, uh, you know, eight, six, four, two, whatever. I'm going to be first. I'm going to, I'm going to book it. I'm going to bust my ass to be first, but that was it. It would never exist beyond those walls of the gym. And that's why nothing ever changed. But as soon as I said to myself, I'm the one that needs to motivate, motivate me. I'm the one that needs to tap into a different level and not have someone else tell me that's when I started melting weight, started gaining muscle. I mean, as of from three years ago to now, there have been so many different things, but it's only because for me, it's been internal for you. Were you able to get that external and change or do you kind of I'm curious because I, I know you obviously I've known you to always be a very fit guy, very in shape guy since I've known you. But for you, where does it come from more for you? External, internal, a little bit of both. Can I answer this with a quick example of the negative versus the positive, the external versus the internal? I would love it if you did. Okay. Here's an example. When I was at Wingate, because I hope that some of our listeners were Wingate students, student athletes, while we Good were dogs. both there, obviously you were there with me. So you know who I was then and, and kind of the changes that I've made. And I would like to say very, very positive changes about self-confidence and self-reflection and self-awareness. So when I was playing at Wingate, when I started, I had no idea about the level of awards you could win. Like, I didn't know that there was all con people are talking about, you know, all conference, all state, all this when you're in high school, right? I was not in high school. So I didn't know what it was. My goal was get scholarship. I got scholarship. I thought, great. What is there to work for now? I got scholarship. Now I'm just going to be good and train hard for the sake of training hard. Then I got to school and I started hearing about all these awards you could get. Oh, not only could you just get awards in your conference, you could get awards on your team. You get awards within the team at Wingate. You can be team MVP. You can be coach. You can get the coaches award. You can get conference awards. Donnie, you can get national awards. You can get regional awards. There's so many different awards. And then you can get rewards that have nothing to do with sports. You can get awards that are academic awards. I didn't know that. I'm like, I thought you just worked hard and your award was the degree. And I realized there were all these awards, but there was one award when I was a sophomore that for me meant everything. Because when I was young and I was homeschooled and I played junior tennis, I got called everything. I got called, oh, you're just at the tournaments to be social. You're just at the tournaments to try and talk to the, you know, to the girls or talk to the guys. You, you were just there to take pictures. You were just there for whatever social reason. And then I had other people tell me, well, you don't really train that hard anyway. Like, you're never going to win these tournaments. You're never going to be that guy. There's going to be another guy in the draw. 
And then I realized there was an award that in my mind, if I won, everybody would have to shut up about me. Everybody would have to tell me, Danny, you are. And the name of the award was Man of the Year. This is an award, for those that don't know, that basically combines sports, your athletic achievement. It combines academics, your academic achievement, how well you do, obviously, in the classroom. And then it also includes your off-the-court extracurriculars, what you do in the community, what you do around your campus. You basically have to be advertised by your athletic director to win this award. And Donnie, I realized, man, if I do all this stuff, I can get this award. And everybody has to call me the man. It's literally what they have to call me. That would be man of the year. I have to win. Now, what do I have to do to get there? I started thinking about it. Man, I have to do well on the court. I have to do well in the classroom, but I have to do stuff in the community. I then started to like think of how I could get there. Like, what can I do to get there? And in that process, I got nowhere. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I can do. What else? Do I, do? I train hard already. I do as much as I can. I try and be out in the community. What can I do? And I forgot about that award. I just like forgot it exists. I said, whatever. And throughout that year, I just started playing. I trained hard. I had a good year. Yeah, fine. I did well in the classroom, but that year was one of the most meaningful years of my life because we did something on the team called set the expectation, which was I'm looking at the press release right now. I'm reading the, the article. Yeah. So it was called set the expectation. So a woman came to Wingate and she told us her story about being sexually assaulted by athletes on a campus. I believe it was at Oregon state and her story resonated with me so much. I went up to her after she finished. I said, what can I do to help? How can I help here? And she told me, well, most people don't really ask, but there's things you can do. You can wear bracelets and you can sign a waiver and you can do this on the third. And I wanted to do everything so far that we went and pushed. We ended up winning or we ended up hosting a match with from the defending national champions and you know raising money, selling stuff, accepting goods. And we took it to a, you know, a shelter of women that had been victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. That was one of the more meaningful things that I did in my life at Wingate. Fast forward now to the end of that year, guys, you're all going to think, oh, you did that to win the award. I promise I did not. But I did end up winning that award. And it was pretty cool. But it wasn't that special. It wasn't anything that I thought it was. Like, it really wasn't. And I went and asked our athletic director, or, or I guess associate at the time, Michelle Cadigan, who I love to death. And I said, how did this happen? And she says, what do you mean, how does it happen? You're, you're this, that, and the third, X, Y, Z. And she goes, and what you did on this campus will change how this campus acts in the next few decades with that set the expectation stuff. And I realized in that moment, that exact moment, I wanted to win this award for me. That was the goal. I want this to be for me. And then I realized, oh, you get awards. And I, I use that interchangeably with rewards from doing things that you have a passion for doing things that you want to impact people. You want to make a change. You want to do stuff. All of that came from internal. Nobody knew that was happening, right? Nobody knew I was doing that. I was planning that. That was not at all for external recognition. That was because I wanted to make a change. It was something that was passionate to me. So that is my example of this exact thing we're talking about. When the internal motivation, when I want to make a change, like I want to do something for the best reason. I want to do something because it's genuinely what my heart wants in comparison to, I want to do this for the external recognition. I want to do this so people think I'm cool. You might still get to that same end target, but I promise you, if there's no internal struggle, if there's no internal motivation, if there's not a passion that involves you just wanting to be the best version of you and leave an impact on others along the way, you will never get the same feeling in your own mind.
you'll never get that feeling. That award is collecting dust somewhere, not even where I live. I couldn't care less about it. But that's set the expectation and what that represents to me. I'll never give up. And I will continue to fight for that for the rest of my life. And that, I think, is just another realization like, okay, doing things for external recognition. Like you said, somebody's always going to have something to say. Did people all of a sudden start calling me the man? No. Did people all of a sudden change their you know, thoughts of who I was and, and what they really thought about me? No, it didn't change anything. But it changed my life. And that, I think, is the most important thing. I love that. I love that so much. That was right before we became good friends. So I wish that I would have been able to be you know, closer to you at that point to kind of see you react in real time to then pair it with how you just talked about it now. But um, it, it makes me think of something that my dad always says to me and it would always say to me growing up. And even now, your reputation will always precede you. So, you know, no matter what you do, no matter, you know, wh what you try to say, like, hey, I'm going to do this or that. It's your reputation. And if you've got the reputation of someone that works hard and someone that is a good man or woman, whatever you may be, you know, that's going to matter more than any award. I, I want to kind of close this out with our present vulnerabilities, if you will. And for me, I, I really want to keep it simple. It's longevity. It's wanting to be around. And the one thing that I really want to pinpoint is I never want to get behind the eight ball because now that I've seen what fitness can do for me, I am very scared of what life can look like when fitness isn't at the core. Can you relate to that? Yeah, man, I, I, I can relate exactly to that. And if anybody here has been listening to these podcasts since we started, you have heard about some of the tragedies that have gone on in our lives. Um, one of which is somebody very close to me passing away and obviously a contributing factor to, I say, obviously, obviously in my mind, I knew this to be, one of the impacts and one of the the reasons that health deteriorated is because they didn't always hold themselves to that high of a standard when it came to exercise, diet, just mental health, sleep, everything. And I, and I hate to say it like that, but it is true. These things are absolutely correlating with longevity, with health later down the line. And that was even more um, embedded in my brain today as I unfortunately lost another person who was very, very close to our family. It was the the boyfriend of my sister um, passed away today and oh his health God. had been deteriorating for a while, um, doing things that just were not good for his health, right? Things that, you know, hurt the heart, hurt the liver, hurt the lungs. Um, and this happens. This such is life, right? You can get behind the eight ball. Like you said, you can set out on a journey to be the best version of yourself in every way but your physical health, that's a big portion of why we do this podcast. We know how important mental health and emotional health is, but physical health can put you just so far ahead that it's almost hard to fall behind because you've set so many routines and, and rhythms and, and things that are just become who you are. And this person who passed away, they were once again, just unfortunately, like the last person, just starting to get going, just starting to get put in the right direction. And unfortunately, it catches up with you. Not taking care of your physical health catches up with you. So I cannot relate to what you're saying more because, and it's an unfortunate thing that it has to do with fear, you know, fear of losing people, fear of being lost. But at the end of the day, and one of the things I have written down for president, you know, just to kind of bring this all together is love. 
love is one of my biggest motivations when it comes to keeping myself in the best possible mental, emotional, and physical shape because I love people. I love the people in my circle. I love you, Donnie. I love your family. I love my family. I love my girlfriend. I love my other friends. I love my cats. I love working hard. I love, you know, this journey that I'm on to be a tennis coach and a real estate agent, man. I love where I'm at and where I'm at was not always where I'm at now. I had to push to get here. I had to push through a lot of bad vices, a lot of bad routines, a lot of bad things to get here, just like you did, just like all of our listeners did. And I don't want to go back there. There is a fear of going back there. There's a fear of not failing, but failing myself. I don't want to fail myself. God gave us these bodies. He gave us these temples. I want to take care of it. I want to see what I can do. And more importantly than anything, I want to see how many people we, I, our circle can impact along the way. And I know I can leave an impact for longer if I keep myself to the highest standard. So I can absolutely relate to everything you just said because, you know, I don't want to lose people and I don't want to be lost. (laughs) I want to be. I want people to find me and find somebody who loves them and loves them with the best version of me. I can only love as hard as I want to if I hold myself to that standard. So that is absolutely one of my biggest motivations as well. That hits hard. You know, you you don't want to you don't want to get lost and you don't want to be lost. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, man, this was a good episode. I usually we we leave it till after we hit stop recording to kind of debrief, but. I uh I love this a lot. I, I love being able to talk about things that we struggle with, things that we, you know, focus on. And, you know, like you said, you never want to go back to those places. I never want to go back to a place where I could, you know, spend three, four days not moving my body, not doing really anything physical or or, or um, you know, getting any activity in. Like I it did so much to me that I didn't even realize until I was out of it. I'm like, Oh my God, like me getting up and going for a 20 minute walk does so much just for my mental and and gets those gears turning that I can't believe I didn't do this before. And it's so simple, you know? So, um, rest in peace also for, for your sister's, um, boyfriend. That's (sighs) just makes you think about life, you know, makes you think about life, makes you think about, you know, things that really do matter. I mean, something is as simple as, you know, realizing what's important when my sister and my mom got in that accident two weeks ago, I'm like, we care about so much stuff that literally has no meaning, you know, and it's fair. I mean, everybody's got material wants and needs. And and that's, you know, like you said, such is life, you know, to steal your line. But when you really get down to it, it's people, it's, it's moments, it's feelings more than, you know, what kind of, what kind of watch can I buy? What kind of shoes can I wear? You know, but not to get too sappy because we've got a very full week ahead. We've got a couple of exciting guests coming on. Um, is there anything I'm missing? Anything that I should be plugging that I'm not other than keep staying tuned for more episodes and more content? No, man, you, you've hit it. I just want to end, you know, as I normally do with a little bit of like a, a little quote or a little wisdom or something that's you know gotten me this week. I feel like that's kind of the value I can add at the end of a show. I saw a Instagram post that said, you can never overspend when you invest in yourself and your loved ones. And I loved that because invest, a lot of people think money, right? But you can invest time, you can invest energy, you can invest money. That is absolutely true. And when you have days like today, when you lose somebody close, it's another reminder, invest 
all the time and all the energy that you have on positive, on the people around you, on the loved ones, on yourself. Do not waste time and energy on the negative. Do not waste time and energy on social media complaining about something. Don't you know? go to people who want to love you and, and snap at them and, and redirect your internal anger at yourself on them. Invest time and energy on the positive and invest money on yourself, especially your health journey. I bought a bike last week and I had to go through the thought process of man, is this overspending? I don't exactly make that much money right now, guys. I mean, just to be 100% frank with you, I do a lot of things for the love of it, not really for the money. Um, And I love that. I love that part of life. It's okay. But I don't have that much disposable income. And I've wanted a bike for so long. It's something I loved as a kid. It's something I loved during COVID. And I wanted to get another one. And then I came to that realization. I saw that Instagram post right before I bought it. And I said, this is just God giving me a sign. Buy that damn bike. (laughs) And the first thing I did was go out on a ride, take it around town. And I came back and did not realize that I had burned like six or 700 calories biking around oh. some crazy. I was biking around for like an hour and a half, burned this crazy amount of calories, like a hundred degrees outside. I'm wearing my helmet. I'm sweating up a storm. I mean, it's just, it couldn't have been more of a workout, wow. but the level of happiness that I felt when I was done yeah, was do like things you love incomparable to things I felt before. like people talk, you talk about playing basketball, just something you enjoy doing. And it just also happens to be a workout guys. If you find those things, please, if you hear anything, we say invest time doing them, invest money doing them because you will have a health journey. Unlike anybody else, because you are combining the physical health with the mental health yep. and people would kill for that. People would kill for the opportunity one? to go on a bike ride. So please, please, please people. Just I want to leave you with that. Invest time, energy, money, focus, attention on yourself, More, most importantly, and the, your loved ones, the people around you. Do you want to hear another one that I partook in yesterday and I'm now on the bandwagon? Pickleball. Have you played pickleball? Of course, brother. Oh, my God. Well, you probably you probably hustle people for money. They... No, no, no. No? I'm no good. I know I need to learn just You're like everybody lying. else. No, no, no. But I'm telling you, people think, oh, it's like a little mini version of tennis. I'm telling you, it's more like ping pong. Like, and I'm terrible at ping pong, too. But it how is fun so... is it? Man, when I saw when I saw you posted that, I was like, uh oh, well, I got a doubles off, partner. But, oh my God, that it, that was the most fun I've had doing a recreational thing in a long time. I burned twelve hundred and seventy six calories in about almost two hours. Like what? I was, how good of a workout it is too it, and it's so fun so fun like, i got you know i played with my buddy mike shout out to mike we played seven games i won four no big deal my first time no big deal um but it was so much fun and we literally like i could have kept going like i'm in a little bit better cart like uh what's the word my cardio is a little bit higher of a level than mike's is so we had to keep you know take some breaks normally it was also very hot so i'm not gonna out him because mike's a beast um in the weight room too but you know, I could have kept going for hours. And I even this, I, I woke up this morning and I'm like, maybe, maybe we should go again. Like, let's go again tomorrow. Like, let's, let's kind of keep this going. But um, if you haven't played pickleball, play it. And if you have vulnerabilities, let them out. I think that's our, that's our message, right? We'll, we'll stick with that. Love it. That was episode six. A lot of fun, a lot of good talk, a lot of good conversation. That's Danny B. I'm Donnie C. It's another episode of the Sweat Today podcast. See you soon. Peace.